This is going to be my um, true crime podcast about Junko Furuta, um, also known as the case of the concrete schoolgirl. Um, so to start with, uh, we're going to go through a bit of Junko Furuta's background. She was born on the 18th of January 1971 in Masato Sayatama in Japan. Uh, she lived with both of her parents and her two brothers, one being older, one being younger. Uh, she attended Yashio Minami High School. I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly, but we'll roll with it. Um, she also worked part-time in a plastic moulding factory to save up money for her graduation. Um, she also took on a electronics retailer job which is what she was planning on doing after graduation. She was well liked at her school, and she had exceptional grades, had perfect attendance, she was viewed as one of the pretty popular girls, and she had a dream of becoming a famous idol singer. This is how, this is what makes it quite sad, because she was actually on her way home to watch the finale of her favourite show on the night that she was abducted. She was abducted by four teenage boys, uh, Hiroshio Miyano, who was 18, Joe Agura, who was 17, Shinji Minato, who was 16, and Yasushi Watanabe, who was also 16. Uh, in their case, they were all labelled as A, B, C and D in their court documents due to being juveniles. Uh, at the time of the crime, they were using the second floor of Minato's home as a hangout spot where they conducted several of the crimes, such as theft, extortion and rape. So they weren't only limited to this crime. They also did several other crimes, which makes the sentencing and the Japanese justice system fail in this case because I think the sentencing they got was not fair, it was not justified after everything else they have done. So the leader, or so-called leader, uh, Miyano, he was the oldest and he was known for his behavioural problems and frequent involvement in crime since he was young. He was working as a tiler, you know, like tiling roofs and everything to save up money to marry his girlfriend. Uh, who was the sister of one of the associates in the case. So she was the sister of um, one of the other boys that were involved in this crime. However, when he turned to obviously his gangster lifestyle and resorting to this increased delinquency, um, she ended things with him because, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be with a man who did that to other girls and just caused loads of problems. Um, so on November the 25th of 1988, uh, Miano and Minato were wandering the streets looking for vulnerable women to attack, obviously to rob them and, you know, hurt them. Uh, they spotted Junko Fruit riding her bike home after her shift at 8.30pm. Uh, they conducted a plan and Minato kicked Fruit off her bike and fled the scene and they put on this foul uh, play. It was like all, all a big game to them. Uh, Miyano approached her and offered to walk her home. 
as a ploy of gaining her trust, which unfortunately worked. Uh, she must have been so shaken up being like kicked off her bike by a random guy, thinking that someone is there to offer you help and support when actually they're trying to lure you into a trap to assault you and God knows what else. Um, Miana then abducted Furuta and uh, assaulted her in a warehouse and then he also did it again in a nearby hotel. He threatened to kill her if she didn't comply with what he was obviously trying to get from her. He then bragged about his abduction and the sexual assault to the three other accomplices in this case and they suggested to keep her in captivity so they could obviously do the same as he did, um, which is disgusting. I don't understand how they were so encouraging of this behaviour. They had a history of carrying out these activities, like uh, they had recently just done the same to another woman, but they ended up releasing her. Um, I'm not sure how that would work out in their favour, um, but obviously it would be it would be very hard to then come clean and tell someone about what happened, especially several years ago in Japan they weren't very in the favour of women or they weren't in favour of delivering justice I, d I don't think they were really overly that bothered by it um, at 3am the next day Miana took Fruta to a local park to meet the rest of the boys uh, where they had found her home address in her book bag and used it as blackmail so they made sure that she didn't escape or you know members of their gang I use that very, very lightly, would kill her family uh, just to kind of get her to stay, which is disgusting. Everything in this case is disgusting. I don't, when I was reading up on it, um, it was very difficult for me to read up on it because it just got worse and worse and worse. It just kept on going. And I do feel really bad for Fruta because she didn't deserve to go through this. She was a 17 year old girl who was very dedicated to her studies and she was doing very well in her job and her career and for something like this to happen is just awful and she did nothing. She was an innocent girl who was just trying to get on with her life. Um, so after that the boys took her to a house in the Ayasi district on Adachi and continued to sexually assault her and torture her at the parents of Minato's home which is a key part of this story because I feel like this could have been avoided if the parents came clean and told the police about what their children would do what what what, what their child was doing uh, this could have all been avoided on the 27th of November so quite quite a while after Furuta's parents reported her missing and an investigation was launched um, however the boys made Furuta call her mother and claimed she had run away and was safe and staying with friends to discourage the investigation. Um, when Minato's parents were present, they forced Furuta to act as his girlfriend uh, just to kind of make it seem like nothing sketchy was going on. But there's only a certain amount of time that you can go without, you know, make it dropping yourself in it and making you seem like a bad person. Um, they dropped the act of Fruta being his girlfriend once they realised his parents wouldn't report anything to the police 
uh, allegedly due to them being scared of their son's violence, uh, which is, I don't think is justifiable for me. Like, I, I really didn't think it was justifiable. They could have easily just gone to the police and their son would have been arrested. Um, I think this all could have been avoided if they just owned up to it. Afterwards, they it, it gets very graphic, which I'm not going to like describe because it, it is very graphic and I don't think I will be able to say this, but the events that followed shortly after led to Furuta's death and her body being disposed into a 10-gallon cement drum where the boys would soon after reveal to the local police after being investigated. Uh, the following methods of torture and assault is what they admitted to during their case and their hearing and during the investigation when they were obviously caught. They assaulted and sexually assaulted her repeatedly. They set her on fire and used candle wax, which I don't understand how you could lack so much empathy that you'd be able to set someone on fire and torture them with like burning hot liquid. They dropped an exercise ball onto her stomach and caused convulsions, which is obviously all these things combined over a long period of time would ultimately result in Furuta's death. Um, she suffered a very, very, very painful long death and she did not deserve it. Once they found out that she was dead, they panicked obviously. They didn't they didn't mean for her to die, but if they didn't mean for her to die, then they wouldn't have done all those things to result in her murder. Um so they shoved her into the ten gallon concrete drum and left her there. The only reason that they were caught is because they were manipulated into thinking that they were being investigated due to Furuya's death. They were investigated separately by the Japanese police and one of them eventually caved in and told them about what happened with Furuta but the police were very confused because the police weren't investigating them on this. They were pulling them up on a separate case that had come up and they had to investigate. So the boys ended up telling where this body was and they eventually found her body and they were able to give her the proper send-off that she deserved. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is the prosecution and the sentences that it ended up um, resulting in and it was not fair. I There is definitely a problem here with corruption and blatant favouritism over you know, male and women and the justice that these girls deserved. So all four defendants pled guilty to causing bodily harm which resulted in death. So they didn't even confess to murder, they uh, pled guilty to bodily harm and they didn't intend for it to result in death. Uh, their identities were not kept anonymous during their trials as the media believed that the severity of their crimes overpowered their legal rights and that they didn't deserve to be protected, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, if you're doing something like something so inhumane to another human being, you do not deserve to have your identity protected by the media or by the courts.
the only um, person who um, got quite like a large sentence was the whole uh, leader, uh, quote, I quote leader of the entire case, which is Miano. He got 20 years in prison. Uh, Minato, this one really got me because all of these, this torture and all this assault happened at his home and he only got five to nine years in prison. Uh, Watanabe only got five to seven years and Agura got eight years. Obviously because they were juveniles and they couldn't really get like, they couldn't get such a large sentence for what they had done. Uh, Junko's funeral was held on the 2nd of April in 1989 where she was buried with her future employer's uniform. Uh, since this case had happened, the Japanese have been concerned about a US-influenced epidemic of crime, which they referred to as the American disease. Um, basically saying that everything becoming so Americanized and glamorized by America had led to them also being affected, and their rate of crime increasing and the severity of crimes being increased. Um, they felt the need to imply these sentences on four boys who very clearly did not have any sort of empathy and they didn't show any compassion towards anyone that they had affected during their times of being gangsters and I use that very loosely it was very unfair um, on Furuta's family because although they got closure and they found out that their daughter had been murdered and she had been able to be put to rest I feel like the justice system of this entire thing just throws, throws you off completely it's very controversial because the Americans were to blame uh, for the case of this and the upcoming cases that, were, that would then happen over the next few decades in Japan and I somewhat disagree because I feel like every country has their problems. Uh, I think it's more based on individuality instead of uh, obviously one race altogether. It doesn't matter where you are if you are committing these types of crimes that are so heinous and so like it, it, uh, it baffles me that something like this would happen. It could be like a, a problem there in the individuals. It could be environmental factors as well. It could be the way that they were um, raised and the way that they had been told to conduct themselves. But I also somewhat agree at the same time because they, if you are seeing these increased um, crimes in America that are happening and obviously you, you have serial killers being glamorized and painted in the media as these big big people almost like painting them as famous instead of horrible people and they tend to dramatize it and if people obviously are globally seeing that they are going to adapt to it if they 
aren't mentally stable enough to be able to show empathy or compassion, it could spur them on to do it and encourage them. It was it was very hard reading this case, considering what happened is obviously one of the most infamous cases to ever appear on the media, in my opinion. It was very unfair to see the justice and that was very clearly not served. Uh, these four boys, when they were released from prison, they went on to change their names and live live their lives as normal again, going back to their gangster ways and committing all these felonies. And they they didn't change, and prison time didn't change them. They didn't feel any sort of empathy or feel sad for what they had caused and who they had affected. It's a very visceral and nuanced case that shows the inadequacies of the Japanese justice system and why it has needed to improve since this case had um, come up. I feel like it's in a way a necessary evil and I feel very very like shame to say that but it's a necessary evil in a way that if these things don't happen that if they were to happen again then justice wouldn't be served properly if these cases keep happening it's it's going to therefore affect impact the justice system to obviously increase their harshness and how they punish these people but it was obviously very very awful case that and i feel very bad because a young girl lost her life when she was trying to pursue her own career and saving it for graduation. She was very good academically and she had a family that obviously really cared about her and I feel like nobody should have to be put through that, whether that be the victim or the victim's family. It obviously is very difficult to explain this case over a podcast because it is very graphic and detailed, the some of the stuff that they did to her. Um, and I wish I could go into more detail, but just out of respect, in a way, I won't. Um, I feel like this podcast is giving me the opportunity to give my own input on what's going on in the world of crime and my opinions on this case specifically. Uh, so thank you for listening to my podcast, and I will see you in the next one. Bye-bye.